podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Go on! Go on! Sometimes longer isn't better. So if you're looking for a fantasy NFL game that doesn't last all season, try Paddy Power Fantasy. Every game week is a season in itself. Try it for free on our super short, super free contest on this Sunday's 6pm games. The top 1,500 customers in the contest win a prize with £200 for first place. Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with us. Gab Marcotti in the house this Friday as we get set for one of the biggest games of the season. The Cowboys-Eagles, which should decide the NFC East. And guess what? Marcotti is a major Eagles fan. And I'm underlining major in a big red pen. So get ready for a white knuckle ride with one of the great journalists in world football talking about the other football and his beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Enjoy. Gab, I'd say welcome to ESPN HQ as we often do with our Friday guests, but you know these these neck of the woods pretty well. Yeah, I sort of live here, so. Do you actually live here? Or? <laughs> just about. I'm just, I'm just down the road, but this is, yes, I will have been here for the last five days, so. Love it. You're a company man. I am. Representing. Look, 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 wait. Oh, no. I I left my rucksack in the other room. But it is, I do have an official ESPN ESPN rucksack, which you can get at the ESPN store. Uh, (laughs) Promo code GAB2020, (laughs) and you'll get 10% off. You're an affiliate. I love that. Uh, Well, welcome to the show. Uh, You and I go back a fair bit. Mm. In fact, I was remembering the first time we properly worked together telling the story the other day you might not remember this but it's one of my favorite stories so i first worked at the spm back in 2010 11 right 12 around then and we were doing a lot of studio football and a lot of european studio football mm. and i would normally do the, the bundesliga with rafa and you would do Serie A with uh with jimbo most of the time yes. right? but sometimes we'd mix and match if people as away you as you do so we first got matched together for a juventus game uh, it's a kind of early kickoff, right, in that ESPN studio. And I remember the producer said to me, nah, this isn't like the Bundesliga, where you kick off with military precision in the Bundesliga. In Syria, they're a little bit looser. They're a bit yeah. more, bit more relaxed. So we're going to have to feel it a little bit, and we might not realize until the last minute, oh, they're about to kick off, depending on the pictures we get. So you're just going to roll with Gab, and, and I'll let you know. So that's exactly what happened. We were just chatting away and having a very nice pre-game chat and rolling. And then suddenly, slightly panicked, producer Maria saying, Nat, we've got to go, we've got to go. So I gave you what I thought was the kind of wind-up, and you carried on talking, and I kind of was a little bit more exaggerated with it. And for the benefit of our podcast listeners who can't see, I'm kind of moving my head a lot more, and I started winking more and more and more. I do not not recollect this. So you looked at me more frustrated, but you carried on talking, you didn't miss a beat, textbook pro. I, no, no. And I, I, was, I think I remember. Yeah. I think that, that's when I said, like, oh, God, they told me Nat is the one with the facial yeah, tape. This is what you said to me. You said, eventually I had to dive in and go, Gab, I've got to cut you off there because the game is about to kick off. More from Gab Malcotti at halftime. But get ready for Juventus Palmer or whatever the game was. And we threw to the comms uh, and, and we're underway. And you just went over to me and said, Nat. Man, I'm so sorry you were trying to wind me up. I thought you had a twitch. <laughs> that was... Yes, because that's exactly how I sound. You know, like... I thought that was quite a good Marcotti. That's not, I sound nothing like that. A lot of our listeners who are unsurprisingly are NFL fans have asked the question, no, you're coming on the show. Are you American? No. So why the American accent? Why the love of the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, so 
See, actually, I always wonder, like, what's the alternative? Mm. Because I should be talk speaking like in <laughs> Italian, like in the in the advertisement like for the Dolmio, yeah. Because like we all talk like that. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the the reason I, I have this accent is uh, simple. I uh, I was born in Italy. At the age of three, started moving around the world. I lived a little bit in the U.S., a little bit in Japan, a little bit in Germany. It was a lot of fun, huh? A little bit in Poland, uh, a little bit here. And I always attended American schools, and then I went to university in America and graduate school in America, hence my accent. And the Eagles thing comes from – so I, I'd follow the NFL as a, a, a sort of at a distance. You know, when I, when I was very young, I lived in Chicago, so like 1985, like it was hard not to get into yeah. – not get into that and stuff. But, um, you know, when immediately before going there, I lived here in London, and obviously I was I was very into, into, into football. And – um and then I moved to the States and all of a sudden I kind of see like, and I'm, I'm living in Philadelphia and I see the same patterns to football, mm. uh, to, to the NFL there. I mean, in the way the city lived it, mm. that people had over here. In other words, you know, you play your game on the weekend and then Monday and Tuesday, you're kind of reflecting back. And then Wednesday, you start looking ahead to your opponent and, you know, relative to other American sports, which I enjoy watching, but, you know, 82 games in, in basketball, uh, 162 games in baseball, you know, just one after the other, the other, like there, you don't have that buildup. And what I, what I loved and came to appreciate because it also educated me more as a, as a fan was the fact that, um, you could spend that time understanding the game better, thinking about it better, appreciating the game better and you know uh, at the weekend. Mm. Um and, you know and that mirrored what we had in football over here. And there were two other factors which um which kind of had me fall in love almost immediately with the Eagles. One was that on Sundays, you know, you would wake up and you would just see all these people walking around in Eagles gear. And I know it's an absolute cliche about sort of sports cutting across socioeconomic classes and whatnot, but you saw this after the Super Bowl, right? You had, you know, hedge fund managers with their private planes and, you know, you had people coming out of crack houses and you had nuns and you had cops and every single kind of, of race, you know, in, in a society that's actually in many ways more polarized. This is something where at least, you know, at least as far as the Eagles are concerned, but I, I imagine it's the same, especially in, in, you know, in the Northeast of the United States, maybe in Chicago, maybe also in Cleveland, places like that. You've got something that really does give a real sense of community. Mm. Um, that was huge. And then the other thing that was huge too was, you know, it was, it was 1991 and you had that, uh, when, when I went to, when I moved to Philadelphia, and that was Randall, and that was that unbelievable defense. You know, Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters, Eric Allen, Jerome Brown, Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Byron Evans, Seth Joyner, Willie Thompson. I'm going to go through the whole team. Goldick. I mean, you know, uh, Pitts. Um, that was by Herschel Walker. It's Buddy Ryan era. Coaching. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was the, the end of the Buddy Ryan, uh, 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 the end of the Buddy, Buddy Ryan era. Um, and the start of the Rich Kotai era, mm. sadly. Um, but it was, um, you know, it was incredible. Like, the city stopped. And that was also the, the year that Randall always seemed to get injured early in the season. And 
they did had all these random quarterbacks that came in, and then finally they had Jim McMahon. And Jim McMahon, of course, had been the quarterback in 1985 of the Bears. And Jim McMahon was when you talk about somebody who's literally like. I mean, he shouldn't be allowed out of out of the Lost house at that life. stage. Yeah. Everything, but everything, he was broken. Like he'd broken every, you know, he could yeah. he could hardly. There was basically like there was a stretch, uh, one season where he basically didn't. He, he went like six weeks where he didn't take a single snap in practice because he literally couldn't move. And then he's out there, and it didn't matter because the defense was so awesome that he didn't really have to do anything other than sort of hand the ball off. And then, and then Randall would come back, you know, Randall's plastic man. And, you know, this was, this is the year after what I think is the greatest play in, in, in the history. It's not the greatest play, obviously, in the history of the Eagles because it would have been last year. But at the time that Monday Night Football, um, against the Bills, when, you know, you remember Bruce Smith, who's, who's just this monster, right? He's the size of a building, right? (laughs) And he's so fast and he goes in and, and he's about to tackle Randall for a safety in the end zone. And there is no possible way that Randon, that, that Randall can know he was there, except Bruce Smith is so big that he blocks out the sun. And I like to think he sees the shadow and he says, it's got to be Bruce Smith. Nobody else could have gotten behind me. And he ducks down and Bruce Smith goes over him. And then he goes and he throws the ball like 80 yards, I think, to Freddie Barnett. And I mean, that. That, that, that sealed it for me, you know, and yeah. but that, that was actually, that was before I got there, but, but, you know, that was one of the, that highlight played over and over and over again. So, so yeah, so that got me on board. And that type of esque apology that you referenced with, with Randall Cunningham, of course, we're seeing the, the 2019 iterations now with a number of players, uh, Lamar, of course, and Deshaun Watson, maybe in particular, I think, that somehow keeping plays alive when they just shouldn't be kept alive. Yeah. And I think there's kind of an eternal sort of debate about this, whether, whether it is a good thing to do, because when you keep the play alive like that, or you know, you can you can do what Tom Brady does, which is just, oh, I'll just fall over so I don't get hurt. Or actually, no, let me just <laughs> fall. Let me just fall over so I get the roughing the passer call because somebody breathes on me. His supporters but, would suggest he just shifts half a step to this either side to keep keep things rolling. Yeah, his supporters can yeah. <laughs> do one, um, but. But, 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 but I mean, I always wonder, but like, I, I worry about this. You know, we, I saw it with our own quarterback with Carson Wentz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do I, mean, I know he's big and everything, but you know the other dudes are bigger, and many of them. And when you escape, when you create something out of nothing, look, he did it last week. I'm very grateful, but I always kind of like, oh my god, what if you get hurt? You know, that that's what terrifies sure. you. You know, sure. um, so I, I guess it's about getting a balance right. I don't know, as um. It's interesting because you hear about how you know sort of analytics has come in big time in, in football, and you know they have like a chart of when to go to it and fourth down and whatever mm. all this other stuff. But what do you tell your quarterback? Like knowing when to scramble, when to go for that extra yard, that's got to be something that I think is so difficult, and you have to make that decision in a split second. And you're a competitor. Um, I'm just glad I'm not making. I'm just glad I'm just a fan. I can just sit this, unlike my day job. You know, I have absolutely no professional involvement and, and, and then it's, it's an escape for me as well. Yeah, I bet. So football at NFL, football at Christmas, uh, Saturday games come into play. We're going to pick all the games a little bit later on and obviously key in quite heavily on the small matter of the, uh, the Eagles Cowboys. Saturday games and then you've got, uh, what I did the maths in nine days, the season gets sorted out, right? So you know who's made the playoffs. And then you have Black Monday straight after the final game of the season when it's say goodnight Gracie to, to quite a few, quite a few coaches, some more obviously than others, right? So it looks pretty clear that, for example, Doug Marone's going to go. Coughlin 
out in the last 24 hours. It looks like Marone will be out the door at Jacksonville uh, as well. Jason. Well, why is Coughlin still around? What do you mean? In football generally? Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess. It's horrendous. I mean, horrendous football to watch. Not a pleasant person. Successful. When? Well, he won two Super Bowls when? with the Giants. When Eli was young. Yeah. And yeah. one of them was a stupid play off the helmet. But like this down to him? There were a lot of lucky, you could argue a lot of teams had lucky breaks. Yeah, I, I don't like him. Okay. But he's not my least favorite coach in the NFL. I think you were about to mention him. Uh, Jason Garrett. Oh my God. Well, oh my God. <laughs> so basically any NFC East coach you, you dislike. Other than, other than an Eagles coach. Well, I like Dodd. Mm. Doug Peterson, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. no, um, okay, so no, with we, Garrett's different, right? So. What is it about Garrett you don't like? Well, Garrett's a Princeton guy. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, my alma mater, Penn, mm. we competed with Princeton for uh, the coveted Ivy League title. And don't laugh, there are Ivy League players in the in in, in the yeah. NFL. Not yeah. many over the years. Fitz but is an Ivy League player. Right? He is one. That's right. He went to he went to Harvard. You had the um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. He was really good. The um, went to Columbia. Um, he's retired now. Um, Marcellus uh, Wallace is that the guy I'm picking? Like went to Bennett? Columbia. Bennett. One of those dudes went to Columbia. They hadn't won a game <laughs> for like a million years. I think they hadn't won a game for, um, I mean, there's, there's a great podcast telling, telling this guy's whole story about how like he could have gone to Stanford or. Oh, Marcellus Wiley. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But he was, I mean, again, I mean, he was a serious NFL player. Yeah, he wasn't right. like, you know, he wasn't like Jay Fiedler or whatever, right? <laughs> or Keith Elias, you know. Fitz is a serious NFL player. Anyway, so. No, yes, he is. But I mean, but Fitz is a quarterback. Yes. You know, that's, that's slightly different, okay. right? You know, yeah. and he's super smart and whatever, and, and he beat us this year somehow. So. Is there anything better in the NFL right now than watching Fitz scramble for a 10 yard game? I don't know how, I, I don't know how, how, how he does it, how he does it <laughs> at, at his age. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that is the element of, of brains, of timing, yeah. Yeah. of, you know, people can say, oh, but, you know, he's, he's maniacal about how he looks after that. If this guy were, if this guy were a natural born athlete, he would not have gone to play football at Harvard. He simply wouldn't, right? He would have gotten the same quality of education at Stanford and become, you know, if he was that good. Mm-hmm. I, I use so much respect for him because he eked out a, a career. And it's interesting because I mentioned Jay Fiedler before yeah. who played briefly and, Jay Fiedler was a freak athlete by Ivy League standards, and yes. he was drafted. I, you probably know better than me what kind of career he had in the NFL. He hung around for a while. He had a cup did, of coffee. He held a clipboard and whatever. Yeah. But that guy had physical gifts that I think Fitzpatrick didn't have. And look, when I say like didn't, it's all relative, right? I mean, compared to the top 0.1% of the population. Yeah. But to be able to do that for so long with so many different teams, it just shows you how these guys, even the ones that we think aren't super smart, mm. You know, like Roethlisberger or, or, or Cam Newton. They're probably a lot smarter than most of us. Mm. You know, I think that's the reality, you know, to, to be able to do this. What they got to learn is absolutely it, right. It's, I mean, this is the thing which always, sorry, sorry if I digress here a little bit about, Go with it. and, and, and I'll wind it back a little bit to football, right? One of the enduring thing when you speak to, to, to the football they play in Europe, um, one of the enduring things that you get from a lot of coaches, well, you don't want to complicate things for them. You don't want to give them too much to think about, blah, 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 right? This is how they speak to their footballers, right? You know, and you get a footballer with an A-level, and he's a genius. You know, you, know, you get you get Frank Lampard, and he's like, you know, the entire wisdom of humanity in, in, in one man's brain. I know, exactly. No, man, he is a super smart guy, but these, 
guys, you've got defensive backs in college, you know, who have trouble writing their names, who can memorize 120-page playbooks. Sure. And I just think, what if the other football actually learned a little bit from them? What if you actually made these people study, right? What if we actually sat down with our, with our, the people who play FIFA football, for lack of a better word, and said, hey guys, you're very good, but you can learn all these things, right? Those guys do it. They're not necessarily all smarter than you. And, and, and that's what, that's what blows me away. Yeah, you talk to, talk to players in particular, the Brits that are out there at the moment, who it's, it's particularly acute because they are in most cases transitioning. So Christian Wade, Christian Scotland Williamson, we were chatting to, to Christian about his first year on the practice squad and how he had gone in with his eyes wide open knowing the complexity of learning the playbook and acclimatizing to a brand new sport as well. He knew it was going to be a challenge, but he said, you have no idea just how much information you have to understand and quickly. And if you make a mistake, there are serious consequences. So it's not to be underestimated in most positions, and obviously some more than others, quarterback, most, uh, you know, most obviously, but you know, they're playing tight end and that is not a straightforward position. Certainly, uh, certainly if you are a rugby player that's played one sport all your life and you have to learn that in eight weeks flat or whatever it is. So it's, it's not to be underestimated that type of intelligence, but how would that translate to, to, to football, to European football? What would be the, the equivalent in, in introducing uh, what are you saying? Studying analytics more studying? No, I, I mean, I think, well, one, one obvious thing that you could probably borrow is, is patterns of play, right? Mm-hmm. So there are patterns of play in the other football, uh, which are, which are generally pretty evident and, and they'll, they'll depend on the other team. Um, that's something that you could, you could get a lot more sophisticated with that, both, both in possession and then, and then out of possession. Um, using film rooms more, for example. So absolutely. You could also study a lot more. I mean, I know, um, Several NFL teams have a guy whose job it is to study the officiating crew that weekend and know what kind of stuff they call, what kind of stuff they don't call, their tendencies and so on. Um, I know, again, in Europe, in European football, it's happened, I think there's maybe two or three clubs that consult with ex-referees. But study the referee. Know what he's going to call. You know, not just like, you know, the pre-match in the dressing room, oh, well, you know, there's a strict referee who gives a lot of car. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff you knew. Study your opponent, your opponent's tendencies. Um, I think people would be surprised how little time people actually spend uh, people, people actually spend doing that. Um, and in, full stop at the facility, right? If you compare like for like there, that an NFL player during the season is, and again, depends on the position, but is in team meetings a lot of the day, right. as well as training and practice, they're there for a good chunk of time every day. Whereas again, without generalizing too much, you, you'll know more than me on this one. European players, not so much, not no, so much. Couple, no, you're talking, I mean, part of the concern was, you know, big concern with overtraining and they play twice a week and travel. But yeah, generally if, you know, I mean, unless you're injured and need treatment, it's, it's an hour and a half training session. And then you hop in the car and go home, take a nap and then play golf or do whatever it is you do. Um, and there isn't that much of the meetings, even even the the video analysis sessions. You know, when Louis Van Gaal was at Manchester United, like people complained that it was too boring. You know, and I'm like, you know, dude, they like, you make four million a year 
and you can't sit there for 20 minutes. I don't know it's not fun listening to Louis van Gaal, but <laughs> you know, you can't sit there and look at something that's going to make you better. It's going to help your team win and help you become more successful and make more money. Um, what they need, Gab, is for you to do those team meetings with your uh, Italian accent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll be. No, but I, I just feel like there's a whole untapped world to that, mm. um, that, that you can go and crack it with intelligence. And, and you, you notice it too with, you know, you get certain, you get certain managers who, wax lyrical about, you know, the intelligent player who times his run perfectly, you know, this Trabulons or Lampard, whatever. And yeah, sometimes it's by accident, but a lot of it is by design. I mean, you know, Frank Lampard is was very very intelligent footballer. But it's just, the stuff didn't just come instinctively to him. He might have been able to process what he saw before, but if you sat him down and you could, you know, a lot because what I'm saying is dude, this stuff is learnable. You know, and it's just not something that football clubs want to do because they're nowhere near as progressive as, as they think they are. Do you think that'll change? Because I, there are a number of quite visible uh, managers in the game that are very open-minded to learning from other sports. So most notably from, from my experience at the Minnesota Super Bowl, uh, you'll remember it uh, yes. fondly, Southgate was out there and... I sat down with him. We did a chat. And before we started rolling, he noticed a book I had on the desk because we were on Radio Row. So he, he came and was doing the rounds there. He noticed I had a David Halberston book. And he said straight off the bat, oh, Halberston, what's that book like? I haven't read that one, but I've read this. And he knew who Halberston was. had read Halberston, wasn't blagging it, and supported that and substantiated that with the subsequent interview, which was more than just paying the lip service of an England manager. I'm here learning and I'm meeting this person and this person. Right. In a superficial way, it was, he was substantiating what he was learning and what he was taking from not just the NFL, but NBA. There was a coaching conference out there, primarily North American minds in the room, and he was taking a lot from it. And he was talking specifically about positional, enhancing positional coaching to the next level and some of the other things you've been talking about. So presumably, even if Southgate is a front runner in that respect, most other organizations, because of the money involved in nothing else, will will catch up, won't they? We'll see this happening gradually, and then eventually it will be widespread. You would think so. Um, but the thing is, people have been talking about this for a long time. I remember years ago, Mike Holmgren, after he won the, 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 the Super Bowl, he... I think he either came over or a bunch of Premier League managers all went to meet him, and they all talked about everything they learned, and... That's 15 years ago. <laughs> Nothing's actually changed, I think. You know, ultimately the complaint from a lot of managers is they just, they get very little time with their players and they just, they complain that they just don't have time. And again, I don't know if it's a setup. I mean, you're right. In, you know, in the NFL, it's, it's like a job. Like they actually show up at the, at the training facility and they're there for 10 or 12 hours. Yeah. And, you know, um, but for whatever reason, that doesn't, that doesn't translate into football. Maybe they don't think the marginal gains, to use a word, are, are worth it. Um, Southgate's an interesting example. Like, I mean, if it is true that he's implementing all these things, I'd love to see him coach a club team because the reality was with a national team, you know, you don't have the opportunities sure. to go and do that it's because you, you know, you, yeah. you see these guys once every, every couple of months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a whole sphere there. And, you know, when people, when, when people go and sort of disparage, uh, 
professional, uh, you know, NFL players or even top college players as just, you know, a bunch of roidy meatheads. No, there's a ton of knowledge, a ton of brains. And, and that is one of the things that, that I really find fascinating about it. All these details going in there. And then you've got the wild variable that you said, the, the escapism, the, um, um, the, the, the one tiny mistake and the knock on effects it, 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 it'll have. Um, and, and that, I think is, for me, is, is part of the appeal. There's many, many other reasons it's appealing to me. All right, Gab, time to get into the weekend's games and, and pick them. We've obviously got to start with Cowboys Eagles, right? Which is being billed as crunch time. Of course, not so clear cut because as we were talking about and as you were pointing out before we started rolling, the Eagles can win and still not make the playoffs. Yes, if we lose the following week and Dallas wins, then Dallas have the tiebreaker over us and then, you know, they'll be the ones getting into the playoffs at eight and eight. So you're proud of. How do you feel about that? <laughs> how do you feel about that? About teams well, eight and eight's a perfect example. There are Carolina a few seasons back, even worse than that, right? Seven, eight and one, I think they were. Um teams when Seattle would, would didn't they have a horrendous record? Seven, nine, maybe? Yeah. yeah anyway, team there's a there is a precedent here of teams winning the division with at best a five hundred record. Should that be allowed? Are you okay with that? Should teams post, should essentially, if a team wins a division but doesn't post a winning record, they're out of the frame and the team with the next best winning record takes the spot? Um, I'm okay with the system as it is because obviously it allows us, right benefits us right now. No, but also, but you know, the shoe was on the other foot for a long time. The NFC East was a very good division sure. for a very, very long time. And, um, you know, you had, you had situations where, Teams would win 10 games and knock it in. Um, so it evens out in the long run. It evens out. I think it also makes for a bit of a geographical distribution as well. Um, and look, in the end, it's the Super Bowl champion, which is what it's about, will get to the playoffs another way, right? If you can't win your division, you know, if you can't win your division and you can't be a good wild card, right? Then you probably won't win the yeah. Super Bowl. Unlike, so yeah, yeah. I don't care. I would rather my birds get in the playoffs. Well, are they going to get into the playoffs? Let's get into this game. And the season as a whole so far for Philly has been, well, what has it been like for a, for a, a super Philly fan like you? Is it from the outside looking in? It must be quite frustrating, but then I guess there's got to be a certain pragmatism that injuries in particular in, in, the, in the receiving court. And you mentioned Carson Wentz earlier on. And talking about quarterbacks and risking injury, has he been the same since he's come back from his injury, do you think? Um, I think physically he's been the same. I think a lot of, I think he's very conscious of, you know, why he got injured and how he got injured. And, you know, and then, you know, and then coming back in and playing with an ACL and whatever, you know. So he's gone through that natural transition of saying, I'm a lot more valuable to this. I, you know, I should slide and, and, and whatever. Um, I also think, you know, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole movement. They call it the uh, LTTB community, the Let the Bronco Buck community, right? Which uh, Ike Reese, who's a local broadcaster in Philadelphia, former uh, former Eagle special team players and, and, and linebacker, and he's kind of started, started this. Is like there's an argument. Like a lot of times, it feels like he has the handbrake on, and which is fine. When everybody's fit, right? If Deshaun Jackson's there spreading it and, 
and if Jeffrey's not being a baby and, and Aguilar especially isn't dropping the ball, then that's all right. You know, then just stay in the pocket, be smart, yeah, do safe. the Brady thing, fall over, whatever. <laughs> um, but we're not there. And so it's one of those situations where he needs to, he needs to take more of it onto himself because, you know, Last week, we're all like, oh, look, Greg Ward's actually pretty good, and we never noticed. And yeah. all that time that, you know, we played, the, the, he goes to this ridiculous guy named Max Hollins. And this happens, this happens in every sport. There's these guys who are, ter- okay, I'm going to say he's terrible because he's not. But there's these guys that coaches like because they do what they're supposed to do. So, so Max Hollins runs really good routes. You be careful apparently. what you say about Max Hollins, isn't it? Because when he came over for a, a promo trip to London, he took time to floss, do the floss with my kids. And so he's a good guy in my book. I won't have a word said against him. He taught your kids how to floss. He taught, so, yeah, not the, not so the dental really good, flossing. He's got really good teeth. Is that what you're saying? Not the dental no. ton of flossing. You no. know the floss. Yeah, we can get you to floss it a bit. <laughs> I, I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah. But this guy never catches a pass because he never throw to him, presumably because he never gets open and he never gets on the field. And what is, and then you've got a guy like Greg Ward, right? And so again, that's another thing who, who comes in and, and plays really, really well. Mm. Um, so, it's not a knock on Mac Hollins, you know, well done. But, you know, when, when you're kind of taking up space and then all of a sudden you move and the other dude makes a difference, uh, so yeah. we, we've okay. had injuries there. We, obviously Howard's injury has been, has been a big one yeah. because I, I always feel like Miles Sanders is about to get injured. Mm. He never does, knock on wood. Mm. And I know he's well rested all those years backing up Saquon at, uh, at, at Penn State. Sure. But, and that rest is a really good point. I mean, not not just long term. And I know you're being facetious, but but even going into this season, that this stage of the season, I should say, you've got a relatively fresh running back core, and you're going to have to lean on them pretty heavily, right? It's going to be a combination. If you're going to get it done, certainly against Dallas, it's going to be the ground game, and it's going to be the tight ends, because really, he hasn't got anywhere else to go. Well, you know, I'm sure everybody's heard the story by now, but um, in not the last game, the game before, but McCown. Uh, 47 year old backup quarterback put on his helmet and he was going to go out there as a wide receiver mm. and run rounds. Now he's got the mobility of a building <laughs> and he's a hundred million years old. And this is, this, we had no receivers left Yeah, and you're going to go and send this dude out there because you know, he's smart and he knows how to run. A, I guess yeah, yeah. he can catch a ball. So like yeah. if, so presumably you, you have to yeah. kind of, he's a body. <laughs> he's a body, right? He knows how to run around. And if he's just standing there and he's, then you, you know, he has to send somebody in the general vicinity, right? That was, the, but that is how that, I mean, that is how disastrous the situation, the situation was with the wide receivers. I think what's really hurt us is, I mean, this year the secondary's been better. Um, and I think, uh, that has, that's helped, uh, our defensive line. But I think we have to talk about the fact that, you know, we have, in my opinion, one of the three greatest defensive players in the league in Fletcher Cox. And he's been decidedly mediocre this year. And a lot of it, we were so excited because, you know, you were, we'd signed Malik Jackson. Of course, then dude gets hurt and we thought, Oh my God, we've got these two monsters in the middle. You know, they won't be able to triple team Fletcher, but now they're triple teaming him and he's not, he's not getting it done. I think that's really, that's really hurt us as well. Just go back to the secondary a minute. Is it as, is it improving? Because statistically, and I know this stats can be misleading as, as we know, but 18 touchdown passes on corners this season, which is the second most in the NFL. And again, I know there's been injury issues there, which probably uh, applies to why that's so high. The passer ratings against uh, quarterbacks when targeted 
107.9. That's according to Pro Football Focus, the stats coming from there. So it has been a weak link in Philly for a while. Uh, but there's, I'm hearing talk of it's an improving unit. It's improving at the right time. You said, oh, the secondary is performing better. So. I think the last couple, the last four or five games, I think they haven't, they haven't been the problem the way they have been before. Right. Uh, look, I'm not a Darby fan. Mm. I'm one of those fools who still thinks that Sidney Jones can be what he was supposed to be before he got injured, but now I'm coming around the idea that that ship's done. Mm. You know, and, but I, 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 I believe in Jalen Mills when he's there. We're, yeah. we're better. And I love the enthusiasm he brings. Obviously, Malcolm is untouchable. Avante Maddox, you know, is, is, I think is a good player. So yeah, I, I think those guys can, can at least, can, can at least give our rushers a chance to get to the quarterback. Yeah. And, and, and that's all you can ask for. Which is always important. Could be critical this game because rumblings that Dak Prescott is not fit. And most NFL players at this stage of the season are not fit, but to the degree where there's a big question mark over his fitness going into to this game. So that's presumably going to be one of the core plans early doors is to get some hits on him. It, obviously, you want to get to him and, and, and do more than that, but even just getting in his face, hurrying him and hassling him because it's going to be a pretty frisky crowd, I'd imagine, on Sunday. And there is, I think, genuine concern from the Dallas camp that he's not right. I, to me, a lot of those guys are just a bunch of devious liars, so I don't know what to believe. I'm going to assume that the real Prescott is out there. Um, so but yes, I've heard that, that as well. Spinning it. I wouldn't be surprised, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what, that's kind of how they, how they roll, right? Sure, they're, sure. they're sneaky. Um, but look, I mean, the, the guy who scares me is, is Elliot. I mean, if, you know, I, as long as Prescott can, can, can take the snap and just hand it to him, then we need to stop Elliot and, and, and make Prescott throw it. And, and he's been, for the majority of the season, not the player that we know he can be, but looked very, very different against the Rams last week. And let's use him as an example of... Well, but basically he had all that nonsense, though, in preseason, didn't he? Getting the deal done. Yeah, and going to Mexico and whatever. Yeah. And like, this is, I mean, these things affect you, right? Sure, sure. But is it... And this is the book on Jason Garrett, your friend, that he's got this abundance of talent around him and these riches around him and... There's a real problem when a Dallas team that is this stacked is 500, then it has to be on the head coach. And I know you're not a Garrett fan, but is that a little bit harsh? He's been there wise. I feel like that guy's been there like forever. Yeah. I mean, you got the players, you got what, what else you want? You even got the referee for this because as we were talking before, Tony Corrente. Let's get into that. So actually, park Corrente for a minute because I know you want to talk about him. On the Cowboys, what about pressure then and and how much the fact that that's going to be in this game? Because is there a sense that there is more pressure because of all the hullabaloo that surrounds the Cowboys anyway? This season in particular, Garrett's a dead man walking, all of this talk. Is there going to be more pressure on the Cowboys on Sunday night, do you think? Well, I mean, if they want to see Garrett gone, then you know, maybe not. Quite a lot of um, Cowboys fans would. would I, I don't know. Take like, that, right? I, I struggle with Cowboys fans. You know, Do listen. You? I surprise me. Everybody's got everybody's got rivalries, right? If you're my problem with isn't with Cowboys fans who are from Dallas or even from from most of Texas because you know what? It's your local team. You support them. That's fine. I think it's slightly pathetic that when they're bad, you don't go to that stupid stadium with a giant screen. 
That's because you're a bunch of shadows. Because I think you know you should still you should still show up. You know, there's only eight games a year. It's not the massive demand, right? But whatever. Y'all got other things going on. That's fine. It's all the bandwagon jumpers from the rest of the country. America's team guy. I. But this is what really, really bugs me because I can live with it if you do it because you love a player, right? You know, oh, I've never been to Michigan, but. Oh, I watched Barry Sanders play, and so I became a Detroit Lion, and I tattooed Calvin Johnson's, you know, like head on my back and whatever. Right? That's fine. Have you got any ink? But no, I don't. (laughs) I I don't have football related ink. But um, football related ink. But but when it comes to oh, Oh, it's gone. Can we just go from that bit where you just asked that last question? Why does he keep filming it? Do do you put these out, or are these part for Freddie's collection? Absolutely. Okay. All right. The last one we're filming, and then no, I don't want to be judgmental about what Freddie does in his free time. <laughs> but all right, Thank you. I asked the last question I asked Gab was, "Does he have any ink?" <laughs> so, do you want to pick up from there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any ink, Gab? Uh, not NFL related ink. Okay. <laughs> um, ESPN but... company man related. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Cowboys fans from so you were saying Detroit Lions fans. I, so I, I, I get it. This is this is a very. This is one of the things that makes America I mean, perhaps a little bit different from from football in Europe in that you know you get it, especially in the NBA, right? Oh, I'm a I love this player, so then I'll I'll follow him around, and I get how like a great player might have made you, you know, the the great Buffalo Bills team. Yeah. You know, maybe not from Buffalo, whatever. But Jesus, the Cowboys, man! Like there are Cowboys fans who became Cowboys fans when they were bad, really bad. Mm. And they just stuck with it and they're all over. And this is what bugs me about it. It just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel correct. But is it it okay if you're picking a team? It's okay if you're from there and you have ties to there. Okay. But it's not okay. Otherwise, what if you were a part of America that doesn't have an NFL team? And particularly, as you say, if you're picking a team that isn't very good at the time. So the Cowboys are a big team. They're a rich team, but they've had periods where like most NFL teams, they haven't been very good. It's okay. Then as opposed to backing them when they're winning Super Bowls. It's, it's more okay if you're from, you know, if you're from North Dakota, what now? You know, you're like, oh, I'm from North Dakota. I don't want to be a, I guess they're supposed to be what Vikings fans or bears fans, but you know, it's, an 18 hour drive away so whatever mm. go ahead be a Cowboys fan if, if that's what floats your boat guys who bug me are Cowboys fans from South Jersey <laughs> Cowboys fans from Buffalo from New York from from Buffalo you know that the um, the governor of former governor of New Jersey is this guy named Chris Christie Chris Christie sure yeah, yeah. yeah. he's one of Jerry's pals he's a Cowboys fan yeah He's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> but I'm sorry, you're the governor of New Jersey. It means you're either a Giants fan or an Eagles fan, or if you're sad, you're a Jets fan. Okay, but one of those three. It's, Buffalo got to be just about take right. No, you can't hear <laughs> Buffalo. Buffalo's at the other end of New York. Buffalo's in Canada. Okay, <laughs> Buffalo's in another country. He's from New Jersey. What he was in Jerry's box when he was governor of New Jersey, right? He was. You saw him high five. Yeah. He was on the high five crew in in Jerry's box. But what, can you conceive of somebody sadder? He's got nothing to do with with the Cowboys. <laughs> sure, and and this is what you're fighting against. You're you're fighting against this this, this this kind of system where people turn their back on 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 their roots, on their their history, on the civilization that was brought you. You, you want to talk about this? You want to talk about why? Well, why the environment's going to hell? Why why Greta Thunberg it, finds herself in this situation? 
It's Cowboys fans. It's the Cowboys <laughs> fanification. And again, I say this with the utmost respect. If you're from Dallas, you're good okay. for you. You're, you're fine. If you're from some weirdo place that doesn't have a team within, hey, that's fine. Not your fault. You're from, you're from Fargo. Fine. Okay. But if you're from New Jersey, if you're from Southern California, come on now. Pick something closer to home. Do you dislike the Cowboys more than any other franchise? I struggle with that because there are, there are times, there are times when the Giants have really bugged the crap out of me. How so? Okay, a couple things. Eli. I do not like Eli. How can you not like Eli? I do not like Eli. Dislike Eli, maybe. It's funny, I don't, I, I, I really dislike Eli because he's always has that like weird, sad sack expression, like he's about to start crying. He's quite a chill like, character, isn't he? He's not. He's, he's, I, I know it's funny because I, I like Peyton. I actually met Archie Manning in the lift once. Great guy, great story, right? But Eli kind of stands for that sort of like, you know, he's got a bit of the Prince Andrew to Prince Charles around him. <laughs> you know, like. He's Andrew and Peyton Manning. No, it's Charles. worse. He's the other one. Who's the, who's the other one? Who's Edward. The, yes. He's Prince Edward. Yes. Isn't there a third brother? There's a Co- third brother. Cooper. There's Cooper. A, Cooper. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, he can be Anne. I don't know. I, 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 maybe I lost the analogy, okay? But, 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 but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Well, Eli was always there with that stupid expression on his face. I quite and like, I quite like, or rather, I will defend quarterbacks who aren't rah, rah, all American, let's go get them. That is a little different, differently cut from the norm for the prototype of how you expect He's a manning. He's football royalty. And you're saying he's cut from the norm. His he's demeanor, different. His demeanor and his, and his, He's quite a relaxed, calm character. You talk to players that play with him. He's right? so relaxed that like he starts crying and he looks like he's like in pain. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen what? him cry, but it's just worse. Okay, and I don't like, and like I don't, him. you know, I don't like who, who else? Well, I don't like Tiki Barber. I really did. I, when I had, I had the thing, right? And it's Tiki and it's that, 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 that stupid Rondé Barber too, because of course he killed us in that game. And again, be Super careful Bowl. about Rondé Barber. I've played virtual golf with Rondé Barber and he's a stand up guy. <laughs> and you're like, my favorite barber was Sean Barber, okay, when it comes to that. But, um, no, but look, I, 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 don't, I don't know these people, right? I'm talking as a fan now, right? I don't like Tiki Barber with a little smuggling. I didn't like him when he, when, when he went on Fox and stuff and he's got that little, I don't like, I don't understand how you can play in the NFL all those years, take so many hits because Tiki, uh, I respect Tiki Barber, he's taking so much punishment and the dude still looks so good. Right, let's pick the game, Gab. You're picking the Eagles. The Eagles gonna get it done. At the link. Well, are we doing this with a line or just in general? No, do a line if you want, but just in general, they're going to win the game. Don't worry about the I line. I think the line was five or something, right? The line has, I think it might come down. Let's have a look at what it is now. I think uh, it started two, opened at two, and then it went to five as soon as Tony Correnti was. Tony, yeah, three. so let's get into Correnti because you're not happy about So Tony Correnti is officiating this and he's got a bit of previous with Eagles fans. Yeah, the Eagles have a terrible record whenever this guy officiates us. I think the, if I remember, the record, I believe, is two and five, and one of those wins was uh, against the Bears in the playoffs last year. Remember yes, that? There's yeah. a double doink, the which, double doink. you know, let's face it, Corinthi had nothing to do with that, right? No. Well, yeah. So it was really like more of a one and six record, and given the Eagles have been pretty good the last couple of years, you're like, yeah. But it is something that people are talking about um, in uh, in Philadelphia, where we like our conspiracy theories, and, you know, we kind of figured there's a certain number of referees why we need to get this dude? Corenti officiate is partisan, and if, I mean, is there a difference between him being a not proficient referee versus he is deliberately making calls against the Eagles as some kind of vendetta I, or like, deeper seated? I'm thinking as a fan. I don't know enough to, to make any kind of accusations, right? But that is the perception, and I do know that in general in sports, 
when there is that perception ahead of time, you know, unless if you have other referees that you can choose, you choose somebody else who's not going to go and fuel that controversial picture yeah, yeah. and fuel that perception. You know, it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you know, yeah, it goes back to remember when Dean Blandino was was on uh, Jerry Jones's like uh, party. Yeah, remember when he was just be a referee? Remember when he was on like Jerry Jones's party Oats. bus yeah, or boat yeah, or whatever? Yeah. You know, like it's that kind of yeah. crap. Like, yeah, why yeah. go and fuel this? Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. the line is that as of recording this. Uh, Today on Friday around lunchtime, one and a half. Oh, so it's come back down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, must be those Dak Prescott. Let's uh, hope he's yeah, unwell. I think it must be to do with the, with the Prescott thing. So maybe there's more to that than meets the eye. Uh, the backup quarterback. Can you name the uh, the Cowboys' current backup quarterback? I have no idea. Who is it? It is Cooper Rush. <laughs> so things can be looking looking good for you if uh, if Dak is. Uh, not at the races. So, who are you picking? Or do you don't, do you want to? You're allowed to pass if you want. If you think it's going to jinx, it'll be bad luck. So I'll give you a pass. No, I got it. I almost always, I almost always pick. I think I've picked us to win every game this season except for two. So I will yeah. take this. I, uh, Gab, I would love to see Philly win this game, and I'm not just saying that because you're in the room. I think it would. It, particularly now Cowboys fans after last week are so confident that they found their mojo overlooking what has happened in the, in the previous few weeks. It is baffling that they were so good in that game, but then the Rams have been equally Jekyll and Hyde. So I, I think Philly might, might get it done because I think Prescott is critical, of course. And I think that pressure factor that we talked about, given everything we know about this incarnation of the Cowboys, I think could, I think they will just feel it. I think those fans are good on their back. If you can get some offense going early on and they've got to chase the game a bit, I can just see it all unraveling for them. So I, I'm liking Philly as well. And right, it's a good argument. Look, you can distill it down to it's a battle of the redheaded quarterbacks, right? <laughs> um, but, Carson Wentz versus Jason Garrett. Ah, okay, okay. One right. of them has God on his side and the Saints and Apostles backing up from behind. Mm. The other one is a dark soul, dark hearted <laughs> Jason Garrett. I love that. Argument. So. Um, one more thing on Philly and then we'll move on to some, some of the other games. Uh, would you take Nick Foles back? No. Why not? Because as been a backup, there, as a backup, well, it, there's no point in him as a backup. Why? You have to pay these guys so much money because I think, I think he's just so different. Cap space. He's yeah. He's, he's so different from, from Wentz. Yeah. Um, when we need the cap space to pay Ertz, apparently as, mm-hmm. as I discovered now, but, um, I, I don't, you know, I like, I will forever be grateful. The play will be there forever. I don't want to see him come back and somehow spoil that in any way. Um, yeah. And like that band that should never get back together for the reunion tour. Just exactly. <laughs> leave it. You know, we've been there. We've done that. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to your uh, beloved New England Patriots uh, hosting the Bills at Foxborough. And of course, could be a critical game. As far as not just the seeds in the AFC are concerned, but the division as well, it's a sneaky outside chance that the Bills could still take the AFC East. A lot of people like the Bills for the upset here because although New England won fairly convincingly last week against the Bengals, it was the Bengals, and let's not read too much into that. And uh, your friend Edelman, uh, injury concerns there. Oh, such as, a shame. You're gutted about that, I'm sure. Can the Bills pull off the upset win? Uh, I'm going to say yes, hopefully, because I thought I thought the Bills um, they played us tougher than uh, and it was early in the year, but they played us tougher than I expected. So yes, yeah, six I'm and one on the road, Buffalo. Uh, I wonder. I just think the Patriots will have enough for them. Uh, and Keel Harry, the rookie receiver that they 
drafted, the first receiver, first round receiver that Belichick's ever drafted, of course. Connected with Brady came good last week, so they're using White out the backfield quite effectively, and I think the defense will just be too much for, this is my concern with Buffalo, and it's not exactly the hottest of hot takes or rocket science, I'm just not buying the variation in their offense, and I think if you look at Belichick's MO, which is to take out the key weapon or the key angle offensively that they're facing, which is Josh Allen's running, I think there isn't enough in this Buffalo offense to deal with this in particular Patriots secondary. So I think they will smother them in that way and they won't get enough going. So even though this Patriots offense is indifferent, it will have enough to win at home. The line incidentally on this is crazy low, the over under line. It's like 38 and a half something. So Vegas suggesting that it's going to be a, a defensive battle. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, Rams 49. And so that's getting interesting. Of course, the, uh, the battle in the end, well, it's been interesting for most of the season, the battle in the NFC West and the Rams probably at best will play spoiler now. I was looking at 538, the stats site and their percentage chance of making the playoffs now are, are, are very slim. I think it's under 10%. The Rams making the playoffs now. But they can mix things up as far as the 49ers and Seahawks are concerned. What, in your mind, has changed with the Rams year on year looking so electric last time around? I know the Super Bowl, they didn't show up. But apart from that, they were one of the most exciting teams to watch. This year, they've been much more indifferent. I didn't, I don't know enough about it. I do think that, oh God, what's his name? The coach who okay. got all that, like, oh, he's so smart. He's so clever. Mm. You know, I think there's a, I sort of feel a bit of schadenfreude there. Mm. Um, and I think experience matters perhaps more than, than, than people sometimes realize in the sense that in, in terms of, of achieving the continuity, again, this isn't yeah. just in, in the NFL, Sustain. but to sustain it, especially in a sport where there's so much natural transition with, with the cap, with injuries, with, with all these, with, with, with the role that drafting plays, all these things, um, I think suggests that it's, unless you've got a tremendous staff and a tremendous organization behind you, that is a very, very big burden, I think, on, on, on a coach. Ravens are Browns. Interesting game because the Ravens pretty much locked and loaded the number one seed. They, they, the Patriots can still pip them, but again, it's unlikely. So it looks like home field advantage for, for the Ravens. What have you made of, uh, of them this season? The story of the season, of course. They're the, they're the hot team going into the playoffs, not uh, as we often see the team that is the one with the most attention during the regular season and the most hype going into the playoffs. Often we see them falling short when it comes to the crunch. Do you think it's going to be different this time around? This Ravens side is given the fact the AFC is more straightforward than the NFC has got enough to keep it rolling to the championship game and beyond. Um, so I kind of wanted the Ravens to be bad this year because I liked Flacco yeah. Um, but then, see, this is, you like you don't like Eli, but you like Flacco. Yeah, but you know he's Flacco didn't didn't play us all the time. Fair and, enough. You know, among other things, and <laughs> you know, Flacco doesn't have an older brother. You know, who <laughs> well, he might who is a god of football. <laughs> yeah, he might do, <laughs> as far as we know. But we don't know who he is. <laughs> um, but but I, I find the Ravens incredibly likable and. I like the fact that they're doing things that they're doing things differently. Mm. Um, I don't think what I like about the quarterback too is he doesn't run. People say like, you know, that's all he's about. He, it's not all, but he doesn't run like a running back. Like he's 
you know, he's got the efficiencies and stuff to do that, but I always feel like he's got an awareness around him when you, when you see him play, um, that, um, that running backs don't have because it's not what they're trained to do. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens here. Just a quick line on the Browns and, and coaching. So Freddie Kitchens has, has come in getting bumped up from coordinator role. He's got that whole good old boy demeanor and every NFL locker room has a collection of superstars because it's that's the way the league is built unlike say La Liga or the Premier League where it's top heavy right it's right equally spread roughly speaking right in the in the NFL but it feels like this brown side has because I guess of Baker being uh, quite an outspoken character Odell Beckham just has a lot of attention and baggage around him and he courts I think speculation could easily put certain rumors to bed but doesn't and maybe that's his people maybe that's him i don't know but there are a lot of other big names in this locker room as well is freddie kitchens the wrong character to manage that and bringing that to towards football you take and i'm not trying to make too glib or trite a comparison but and uh, correct me if, if you think i'm wrong here but one of the success is or the reasons behind the success of say zidane and real madrid was because he was able to manage this collection of egos and it feels like Cleveland at the moment have a lot of egos in that room. So you need a certain type of coach in the NFL to handle that. I mean, I think you, you obviously do need a, a guy who who can handle the egos. What I would say, though, one of the key differences is that in, in football, you have the stars actually probably matter more. So, you know, you, you mentioned Zidane in Real Madrid. Mm. You got to keep Cristiano Ronaldo happy. In the power dynamic is different in, in football because, yeah, Odell Beckham, fantastic, important, but there's a whole half of the game that he's not involved in when your defense is out there. You gotta get somebody to, who can get him the ball consistently. You need people around him who can run the right patterns and whatever. So the, the power structure is inevitably geared towards towards the coach. There's very few I mean, it might be slightly different with quarterbacks, but I don't think there's any position player that can approach the the influence that a top player would have uh in football. And so yeah, you want to keep all the egos happy, but prima donnas tend not to last in the NFL unless, you know, they've got Brady or Manning throwing them the ball or handing it up. You know what I mean? Like, bring to that level. What did you make of Freddie Kitchens in the Pittsburgh started it t-shirt? Would you, I mean, if you were an Eagles fan and if you were an Eagles fan, if the Eagles had done that and Peterson came out with that, would you, would you have liked that or would you have thought, oh God, what are you doing? Well, Peterson wouldn't obviously because he's a man of God, but sure. I have no problem. It's the kind of stuff. I mean, Buddy Ryan would have done that. Yeah. Buddy Ryan would definitely you know, have done it. And, um, Dick would have done it. Yeah. There, there, there's no, you know, you think it has to fit your personality. If you can back it up, Buddy could back it up. This is the problem with the Cleveland, right? Though. They're not, you know, Baker Mayfield, that is his problem. Absolutely distilled down to, he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't, he, and his supporters, apologists will say, well, this is what you get with Baker Mayfield. It will come together eventually. Yeah, but it's not Baker Mayfield who wore the No, no, I know, sweater, but, 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 I mean, but backing it up is my point. If you're going to, he behaves, he has behaved a lot in his relatively short NFL career with far too much moxie in, in presses and just winding up opposition vets and you know, you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. If you rolled in 
first three years in the NFL and landed a Super Bowl or an MVP, fair enough. Lamar Jackson wouldn't do it because he's not that kind of guy. But if he did, if he started behaving like that on the podium, fair enough. I think I always, I always think back to that great uh, Kid Rock quote, you know, from the song Cocky. I, I often draw Kid Kid Rock inspiration from Kid Rock. Yeah, you know. what, what's the quote? I probably can't say one of the words, but it says, you know, it ain't bragging and something if you back it up, you know, and uh, that I would wear that on a t-shirt. You know? I always had you pegged as a Kid Rock fan. Don't. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, one more for the road. Uh, I just want to get your perspective on this. Sorry, scene. but do we, we do agree that Kid Rock, one of the top three acts ever from, from Detroit? From, from Detroit, yeah. I, I would put I me mean, of the contemporary guys, obviously, you know, go back, back down Detroit, to yeah. Motown, but, you know, you, you, would, you would have Eminem and ICP ahead of him. Kid Rock, you can call me Tex on the Sunset Strip with a bottle of Bex. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the great couplets. Actually, isn't Madonna from Detroit? Originally? No, no idea. But Kid Rock, I would like to see... Oh, yeah, you're a Madonna fan here, nodding Kid along. Yeah. I'd like to see Kid Rock. Who would you like? Who's your dream? We still put Kid Rock ahead of Madonna, right? Super Bowl halftime show at the moment. In terms of current artists, <laughs> who would you like to see? Yeah, see current, I, I don't like much music after Jane's Addiction. Oh, so, addiction, Markotti. We've got to have a separate. Music you know, yet. I'm music pod spinoff. That is a great shout. Perry Farrell at the halftime show would be unlikely, but that, yes. <laughs> unlikely he'll get yes. booked. But amazing. Um, or you might see Jane's Addiction with, you know, the, the way they love to do this now, where you just double double down with that. Well, they wheel that slash to prop up the black eyed peas. So you could do. I like that. I like that cross pollination. Somebody yeah. like who'd be like the least likely person to play with, like Jane's Addiction, Addiction, like J Lo or Celine Dion. Celine Dion. And Celine Jane's Dion Addiction. James. Yeah, that that would do it. We, as long as David Lynch directed the halftime <laughs> yeah. show, that would be the greatest halftime show ever. <laughs> um, we're out of time, Marcotti. Uh, apologies if we haven't picked your games, but hey, that is how. Uh, Harry, the producer, cracks the whip. Uh, we're going to be in deep trouble if we don't get out of Dodge pretty soon. It's great to catch up and talk football with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sorry I'm sort of monosomatic when it comes to when it comes to the Eagles, but this is my outlet. I can't be a fan in my day job, so this is it, man. Like, bleed Eagles green. We would love to have you back to talk more Eagles, and uh, uh, I appreciate your time. A lot of our listeners will follow your work as well. But if there's anything you want, anything you want to plug podcast wise? Yes, yeah. listen to the Gab and Jules show. We're on every Monday. Julian Lawrence is also uh, uh, an NFL fan, yes, although in a very French way. Like you know, who's Julian's team? I think he kind of. I wouldn't be doing the podcast. So it would just Fair. be the Gab show if you were. <laughs> um, but yes, he, he dips in and out. Now, he's, he's more. He's, he's more of an NBA guy. Yes, he is. But right. he's, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's across everything. And, and, and also, mm-hmm. um, we do the uh, Serie Awesome podcast yes, with Mina Rizuki and Nikki Bandini. Nikki, of course. Nikki, who, of course, is a legit NFL uh, person. Um, I, I think you've had her on, right? Reg- yeah, regular on this show. Many yes. times. Yeah, she, show. She, she's one of those people who like, nerds out watching game film, you know, like on like how you can get the. Uh, Knows that stuff. What do they call it? Coaches. The, the, the coaches, the coaches tape or something. Yeah, coaches like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I could imagine her like on the train from Brighton do, watching that. <laughs> you should do that, Gab. You'd enjoy that. Just watching, deep diving some of that film. Well, they, you know, it's funny, but there's people, there's there's Eagles bloggers who who do that, who go and break down plays and and again, I go back. You know how like I go back to the football I cover for a living, but 
you know, oh, look, a rights violations. Oh, you put this clip on Twitter, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they've, they've become kind of less fascist about mm-hmm. it now. Um, but in the NFL, it's kind of a free for all. Yeah. And it's the best possible marketing tool. Yeah. So, you know, you've exactly. got, you can have some nerd going and breaking out film for people who are into that. You can have another guy doing sort of like, you know, highlight reel catches of the helmet, catch. whatever. Another all this stuff. Funnies and yeah. It's all yeah. Cool. There's, um, you know, there, there's one of the, Unfortunately, he went to Princeton, but he's one of the good guys. There's a guy named Ross Tucker. Yeah, sure, who, we know Ross well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of, of 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 when he comes on and when he explains stuff that like offensive linemen do all the stuff that you know. I don't know. I just see these big dudes yeah. like trying to stop like these angry dudes from coming through. But you you develop like an appreciation for it. For and, sure. And um and yeah, so there's there's ton of material out there that that. People can look at, but yes, you can listen to Gavin Jules on Monday and the Serie Awesome podcast. It's a done deal, Makachi. Good to see you, man. Makachi, yourself. My pleasure. Lovely stuff from Marcotti. We will definitely have him back in the house and uh, hopefully, as far as he's concerned, when the Eagles are in the playoffs and rolling it deep, which they might just manage to do. Once again, stranger things have happened. Now, get involved with our daily fantasy listener league, courtesy of our friends at Paddy Power Fantasy. This weekend, it's free to enter. Uh, you know the drill by now, gang. Free to enter, you get to spend 60,000 fictional pounds on your team and points mean prizes. So cash uh, awards to those teams with the most points free to enter. Get involved. Head to Paddy Power Fantasy. Find the links on our social media channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and in the blurb to this pod. We're back on Monday with Iron Mike. It's a Christmas special, which means we'll be reviewing all the weekend's action. And we'll have Iron Mike's top five as well. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Podcast Network.